What up, party people? It's your boy Tommy G with episode 31 of the No Mercy podcast. This is the Turkey Day edition with me and Jeff Manns. We broke down the whole Turkey Day slate, went very in-depth, talked about every position, talked about game theory, GPP strategy, chalk report, position by position. Uh, We went into hits and misses from last week, talked a little bit about Twitter tilts that people go on, talked about injuries, uh, did a fuck, marry, kill, answered a Twitter question or two. So covered a lot of bases, but a lot of stuff to get you set up for this Thanksgiving Day DFS slate. Get over to GuruLeet.com. Promo code FREEMONEY20. FREEMONEY20 will get you 20% off every single thing on the site. Any package you want, 20% off. You could use it multiple times. So without further ado, hit it, Miyagi. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy. What up? Let's get weird. It's your boy, Tommy G, here with episode 31 of the No Mercy podcast, Thanksgiving edition. I am joined today by the biggest turkey I know, Jeffrey Manns. <laughs> I, I make these up on the spot, is, Jeff. I don't, I don't script these. These all come off the top. Pelicans and turkeys pretty good it's not not yeah. bad it's, i've been called worse though so I'm, I'm yeah i'm sitting there like as i'm as i'm speaking you hear me slow down i'm here joined by uh, how do i tie him into thanksgiving he's a turkey he's a turkey yeah. easy very easy you kind of have this complexion of a raw turkey too a raw yeah i was gonna say raw one, a raw turkey no. cooked turkeys cooked turkey. are like they're they're savage tans man they're yeah jealous no, of i'm cooked turkey i'm a cooked turkey in the summer um when i'm not in my house <laughs> which is rare <laughs> when is that i avoid the sun like fucking like a vampire i couldn't even but... imagine you in a park are you allowed <laughs> to go to parks like i'm not even sure how that works i'm not allowed within like 300 yards of a school zone a park or a public swimming pool. i mean serious i'm literally trying to think of tommy g in a park just walking like... <laughs> mad lab asks me to walk through the park a lot oh yeah he's like yo you want to take a walk through like the park i'm like no <laughs> No. And I laugh, and he's like, "What's well, that funny?" I'm like, "I don't know. It's just funny to me. Like, I don't do that stuff." Do I have to leave my my place? No. Oh. What do you mean? Fuck like, that. Is there a TV there? Yeah. Like, God, lo- good lord. I, I could, TVs in the park. You got 50 college basketball games going on right now. You think your Tommy's <laughs> exactly. leaving to go to a freaking park on a walk? Fuck out of here. San Diego State's playing Xavier right now. You think I'm leaving? <laughs> Random pull there. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. That was actually a win from last night. So uh, speaking of which, uh, we have a little uh, a little deal this week, Jeffrey. Very rare for GuruElite.com, uh, the site me and Jeff own, which we encourage you guys to all check out because we are just fucking incredible over there. But uh, we have a nice little deal going on this week, Jeff. We don't do this very often. You'll see the occasional promo code and stuff like that. But uh, I don't think we've ever done anything like this before. We're actually offering 20% off the whole entire site. This was obviously not me or Jeff's idea. Nope. Nope. Never is. <laughs> and we're like, why don't we raise it 20% for Black Friday? But it's Black Friday week. We're getting near the end of NFL season. So obviously most of you who are on are already on. So we want to motivate the rest of you to come on board. So that's 20% off anything. Uh, everything on the site. If you like soccer, go buy the soccer package. MMA, betting, golf, uh, football, DFS, gambling, whatever it is, uh, 20% off anything. That promo code is FREEMONEY20. FREEMONEY20. And it could be used multiple times. So if you want to go buy 10 things, I had a kid tweet me the other day. He goes, I just bought eight different packages. I was like, fucking awesome. Good. Like, 
You know, so you could use that as many times as you want. And uh, one of the big motivators here, Jeff, was we had a, we had a pretty big winner last week, didn't we? Oh yes, indeed we did. NFL, uh, one of our subs hit the Millie Maker over on DraftKings, million dollars plus. He actually, in fairness, he won three GPPs, which you kind of I always I was teasing him about it, where he says uh, Billy Elder is his name. Shout out to Billy, who won won that shit. He uh, won the three dollar. He won the five dollar as well. And I'm like, well, why didn't you? Oh, and he took third in the one dollar. Like, you couldn't have played the thirty-three. Like, right. come on, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. really? You know, you could have had like that three hundred more thousand dollars. But yeah, one over a million dollars. And congrats to Billy Elder, good dude. And the best thing, Tommy, single guy, no girlfriend, no wife, no kids. What mm-hmm. a fucking dream. I heard it. I heard it on the SiriusXM show when you had him on. Oh, and I was literally like. Oh, it couldn't have happened to a better guy. Right. Like, what did he say? He said he was going to get a party for his friends or yeah. something was the He's first thing he was saying. No. Like, See, I listen to your show, Jeff. You don't uh, think I, I listen to your think, show. Yeah, I, I sneak in there. I tell you I don't listen, but I listen. Sometimes. I know. Like, you totally do. Tommy's profile. Like, I didn't listen to that shit. I'm, I don't listen to your fucking show, but I'm listening. And then just I reference says somebody. my He's name. Like, oh, yeah, I heard that. I'm like, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'm like you. I'm everywhere. I'm yeah, big brother. But uh, yeah, congratulations to Billy. I kind of feel bad, and that's uh, at Billy Von Elds, E-L-D-S, on Twitter. So give him a shout-out. Give him a follow. Uh, seems like a really cool kid. It's nice to hear a non-nerd win the million. You know, it's usually like some kid is like, oh, well, my dad told me that I shouldn't play. Right. He seemed like one of us, you know, when he was on there. So Dude, that's he, good to see. And he played the Saints over – he's an Eagles fan. He played right. Breeze and Traquan against his eagles and he didn't even have anybody any eagles on the and the comeback i mean that's the shit it's like that's a good player second year he's been with guru lee it's the second season with us had up and down results the first year but he, he had been on a good track earlier this year one you know placed in some gpps before this so it's not just one of those random happenstances where this guy right. this little kid has been getting better and better and better. And the fact that going against your team, the team that you love, and no matter how much he wanted the Eagles to win, to win it with Saints is is so much more respectable, in my opinion, because that's what I'm fucking talking about. Anybody could say, hey, I'm going to play all Chicago Bears today, and if they hit, I'm going to win. That's not strategy. That's, you're going to lose fucking 16 weeks of the year like that. So I agree. And, and dude, it wasn't just any Eagles game. Right. Like their season was on the line. Absolutely. Like, you know, so I mean, it sounds easy. Some of you listening may be like, oh, well, whatever. I go against my team all the time. Yeah, but a lot of people don't. You know, yeah. like not everyone's like you. So, I mean, it's good to see that that happened. Good for Billy. Uh, the thing I feel a little bad about here, Jeff, is that we had all these other fucking winners. I mean, I was screenshotting the screenshots. Yeah. And it was like $50,000 winner, $20,000 winner. And like, you know, just 100x return, 20x return. They all started flying in once that game went final, and it couldn't have come at a better time. Could not have come at a better time. as It was just, and, and I love our subscribers, most of them, but I was getting fucking lambasted, and we're going to talk about this in the hits and misses next, on Wentz and Ertz on my timeline. Oh, yeah. Just fucking lit the yep. fuck up yep. on Twitter. Like, like I recommended like a 1% owned guy to go for 5,000 yards or something. So I'm sitting there and I'm arguing with people. I'm like, guys, it, well, yeah, one lineup was dead. Then maybe it was your main lineup. But your other two or three should have been fire with DJ Moore and all these other recommendations. And then all of a sudden the screenshots started flying in. And I was just like, ha, 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 fuck uh-huh. you, motherfuckers. Yep. Now you're seeing that subscribers using the same exact content you used, the same thing, are tagging us in the content saying thank you for this play and that play. 
and you just chose to do one lineup in your GPP and you had a miss or two and you didn't differentiate and you didn't get the Barkley in and you didn't get the Traquan and you didn't get the DJ Moore in. So that was a little like, haha, that felt good. But I did feel bad for a lot of the subs that normally would have been highlighted with their hits got kind of buried because uh, big old Billy over there hit the Millie. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of those things. We had a $50,000 winner last week as well. We had uh, uh, two over $15,000 winners last week as well. So uh, people are winning a lot of money, which, by the way, it just goes back to that promo code, the free money 20 thing. And a true story (laughs) that Tommy and I did not want to do this because we have always, and listen, we're business people too. We raised the prices after shit like this. Like, and you could tell right. that, you know, now all of a sudden we got a couple suits involved and shit. This is the time where we would have made a ton more money. <laughs> Make, we up the prices now. That, we that's did that. what you we do. We did that but, last year. So, uh, yeah, not last year, no. No, so, two years ago. Two years ago we upped the prices. Absolutely. No, we did, no, we did no, it we after did a big last year, too. We upped the price in ba- uh, last year in football. I know we did. I, we did in baseball last year as well. And yes. uh, so it's like, but yeah, but but I mean, so it's a good opportunity. And but it's it's kind of funny that we're telling people like, no, now we if you are winning millions of dollars, now we go up. Like we're supposed to go up. <laughs> That's what we should we do, discount. right? That's the logic. The you like, fuck you. For? You just missed it. But you know, fuck I mean, you. it is a good opportunity. We do like having more people and stuff like that. So it's it's good, but um, it's just it's against our it's against our natural instincts. Our, but, yeah, hey. exactly. It's like blame I'm Rob. Fucking, I'm a lion. blame Rob. I'm a pet lion right now. It's like I have these teeth <laughs> and these fangs, and you're pet me like I'm a sheepdog. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, so great week last week. Um, I actually got buried in that miss, Jeff, which is the funniest thing. Like I've been up. trying all year. It's funny. Um, in case you guys missed it, uh, we're gonna do hits and misses right now from last week. So I'll start. Uh, my big hit was the FanDuel qualifier. So I hit yeah. the FanDuel live final last week. Funny thing, Jeff, how many shows have we done at Guru Elite where I've been saying, I'm moving over to FanDuel. I'm sick <laughs> of fucking DraftKings. I keep hearing everyone's winning at FanDuel, and I'm putting the same fucking lineups in, and they're winning over there, and we're not winning on DraftKings. I hate the 3K guys. I hate the $2,500 tight end. Bitchin', 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 bitchin'. And you know what's funny? I hit the FanDuel queue, Jeff, and then I went into my history, and I said, let me check the last time I played here. <laughs> September 13th. I haven't played there since oh. September 13th of this year. Oh, it was this year. Oh, I, so, I yeah, honestly, I think week if, it, one. if you would have said 2015, I would not have thought. <laughs> I would have been like, yeah. So it's like I'm pounding and just bleeding money into these this DraftKings queues. Yep. Like just bleeding into the DraftKings queues, trying to chase these things. And then I go over to Fantasy Draft for my second week and hit a queue. I go over to FanDuel for my first week and hit a queue. And it was as happy as I was to hit the qualifier. Half of me is going, oh, my God, what would have happened if I played here all year? Like, it can't oh, yeah. just be luck, right? Because I didn't win that much on DraftKings this week. So right. it just shows that, like, I have a side-by-side comparison. But uh, that's pretty fun. And, Jeff, guess where the FanDuel final is? Uh, I do know New York City. Ah, I won an all-expense-paid Uber to <laughs> the Meadowlands. <laughs> that's hilarious. You get to go down the street. All-expense-paid Uber to the Jersey in December. What Nothing better chances, than that. What are the chances you're actually going to show up for that event? Uh, the closer it is to Tommy's house, the less yeah, chance true. he's going to make it. That's the People don't realize that. There's a it's better so chance true. in Aruba than oh, by freaking far. Jersey. 
Atlantis, I was at every event, you yeah, know, and, and you really the last were. one they had in New York, I didn't even show up at the final. I know. I know. So you're, you're 100% By the way, there. there's certain things that I've heard from Tommy G's mouth more than anything else that I know will never happen. Number one, no, she's wife material. No, no, this is my, <laughs> my wife. This is future wife. I've heard this 30 times. Never. Yeah, I just know. Oh, yeah, that's never going to happen. Number two, oh, I'm going to play more cash games. <laughs> and number three is, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play more. I'm start ramping up on FanDuel. <laughs> These three things are never happening, but we just missed a great fuck Mary kill, or maybe I'll add that into our fuck Mary kill. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, Tommy's sayings. Tommy's yeah. going to do things. Tommy will never fuck. Oh, Tommy's do. resolutions. We totally need to do that. That needs to be a bit. And we should start doing that. Yeah, Tommy's I promise at the beginning of the year, I promise down. everything. So, uh, so yeah, so good week last week. Um, did have some misses. Um, hit DJ Moore, hit Eli and Zeke and Barkley and DJ and even Josh Adams came in, came through good Galladay. Uh, my big misses were, I mean, I had, I had Tyrell Williams I had a feeling on. I said, don't play him on your main, but he's a guy who I was high on. So he, he busted, but mm-hmm. he was kind of cheap. My four big misses were, I think, the whole industry's four big misses. It was Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, Deion Lewis, and Corey Davis. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, like, so I know you had some shit to say about this, so I'll kick it over to you. Well, I mean, th- I got a lot of shit on Wentz and Ertz, too. And I built, you know, I'd always do the thing over at Guru Elite during the Saturday chats and in my article, the core four, four, the four players I'm building around this week. And then we talk about those players are locked in, and then the other guys are ancillary. And Wentz and Ertz were two of those four, along with Zeke Elliott and Odell Beckham Jr. And a lot of people, oh, the court four sucked, blah, blah, for one. Fucking Beckham scored, and he was fan- you know, he's a top 15 guy at the position. That I get- was game- they got game flowed. Yeah, of course. You know, that but, was crazy. But he, Fitzpatrick, oh, my God. He st- I know. He still hit, whatever. It, it's fine. You know, those the, the other guys. But Wentz and Ertz, I don't know what the fuck I saw. I don't – I cannot – Substantiated. I don't know why Carson Wentz played so poorly. I just don't understand it. And it was two series into the game that I saw it. Like, oh my god, they're not, they're not thrown to the sticks. They're not even trying to get first downs. He looks scared as all get out. It, it was a fascinating thing that happened in Philadelphia. But again, it's not. Those are two plays. Number one, I cashed with those two plays as part of my core four. Barely, barely. And I hung on despite two turnovers late in the game by Carson Wentz. The exact ones that won Tommy G, his yep. qualifier, I went the opposite. I thought I was going to lose out. Somehow I, I stayed in there. It's because Carson Wentz was 50% owned. So, again, using these game theories that we teach you every week, if you're invested and you build the right way, yes, the performance was terrible, but it, you still are in the game. And I think that is a difference. Five, six years ago, I would have lost going away this this past week in week 11. But I knew better to build on ownership and use some of those chalkier players in good situations. And that therefore, if they fail, a lot of other people fail. And if I get a guy like DJ Moore, who was great, Beckham, who was solid, Zeke, who was very, very good, those kind of plays pay off and kept me afloat and was able to get me in the top 50%. So... Uh, I think those are very valuable lessons in there. And but when's I, I can't explain it. I'm nervous about them going to New York, playing the Giants this coming week because I don't know what's going on with Carson Wentz, but I know it ain't good, Tommy. It's not good, man. Uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on with Carson Wentz. Um, I don't know what's going on with the whole Eagles team. 
I mean, if you look at the qualifier, and he was like 34% owned in a qualifier. Yeah, yeah. Like 34% owned in a Q. He was the so, right play. It was. No, listen, here's the thing. No doubt like, about I it. I just don't know how people don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't, I don't understand how people don't understand. Right. I, I just, I, I don't get it. Like, the hatred and the vitriol from Wentz and Ertz, like, if those guys flop, you have to just look at it like a tree falling on your house. Like, well, yeah, you do? never could have Shake expected that to happen. God? Like, Thank God I have insurance, mm-hmm. which is my second, third, and fourth lineup. Like, that's your insurance. Right. Because the bottom line is, Carson Wentz, I had two teams in that qualifier. My one team came in first out of 58 teams. My other team came in... 56th out of 58 teams. (laughs) My main team was Wentz, Ertz, Deion Lewis, Tyrell Williams, all the guys from my article. And my main team was all the other guys from my article. Eli Manning, Saquon, Zeke, Odell, Evans. Corey Davis was in there. He flopped. Jack Doyle, who I said on No Mercy, I thought was a better play than Ebron this week. And DJ Moore. So literally, it's funny because the people on Twitter were like, you fucked me. Let me see your lineup. You want to qualify my ass. You didn't play anyone, and I posted it, and I was like, every one of these guys is highlighted in red in my article, yeah. and or at least most of them, and everyone else is in the article in the second or third spot, and they're like, well, that's only because of your tournament, because there was only 56 people in it. I'm like, trapped you, right. gotcha, yes, motherfucker, because that's, that's what you need to be playing. Of course. If I was in a queue with 1,000 or 50,000 people in it, Corey Davis would have knocked me out of contention. But because there was 56 people in the goddamn queue and 60% of them had Deion Lewis, 40% of them had Wentz, 40% of them had Corey Davis, then yeah, yeah, I was fine. So do people need to watch the games. If you're not oh, watching the games, yes. please watch the fucking you games can't before rely you start on information tweet- anymore. Just please watch the fucking games before you start tweeting at us. Don't tweet at me that Zach Ertz was – I- we had people saying they're canceling their subscription – because Zach Ertz and Carson Wentz is a fucking donkey play. Yep. Two like, people. You're just a fucking idiot. Like, I'm sorry to say, you're a fucking idiot, and you, you shouldn't be alive. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> you shouldn't be alive on this earth. You won't be because you're going to get hit by a train because you're going to be Hopefully. Stum- reading your fucking cell phone and stumbling across the tracks like an idiot. Fucking idiot. Blame me for fucking Tyrell Williams. Yeah, yeah, of They'll Blame me for fucking something that was like, Kind of edgy, 2% owned, where I put my foot down on it and said, this is a play. Don't blame me for a guy who's 50% owned, you fucking idiot. Zach no, Ertz. Don't, don't do it. And, you know, you could, again, and you, people say, well, well, I can't play in those 56 people tournament. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. We didn't play in those. You just can't play to win a Q. But five you can go play ago, $5 though, Tommy, to win 100 Five years ago, we weren't playing in those either. Six right. years ago. We built your way up. That's what you do. You got to start out somewhere. You get in the door. You start building. You start winning. All of a sudden, you can afford a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Next thing you know. You're playing in different stakes, and you're thinning out the herd. You graduate from those beginner $1, $2 tournaments. Next thing you know, you're playing 5 and $10 because you have the bankroll to do it. And that's the key, and that's what we teach over at Guru Elite. So, you know, again, there's some people we can't help. Like I said, how do you know you don't know? All I know is there's certain people that are destined to never be winners in life. And there's right. not, you know, I don't, it's no harm against them, nothing against them. But you just, there's nothing we're going to be able to do. 
you know, to help you out. You can't take advice. You're you're shitty at taking advice. Like I said, I cash with Ernst Ertz and Wentz in the cash game. And I played the right kind of turn and got a little bit of luck for sure, but also a hell of a lot of skill building a proper lineup that was diversified enough to not completely go under when those two guys failed. So Right. There's a there's a quote that I used to have a picture of in my office. This was like fifteen years ago. And it said three ways to fail at everything in life. Number one is complain about everything. Number two is blame others for your problems. Number three is never be grateful. And that is basically Twitter. <laughs> like yeah. just bitch about everything, blame everyone else. And then when they do something well for you, don't thank them. You know, like just say, I look at me. I did this. I like, you know, if the lineup goes wrong, it's like, fuck you. You gave me this play. If the lineup goes right, it's like, look at what I did. It's like, wait, if I get to shit when you're negative, don't I get the credit when you're positive? But no, that, that's the new age. That's 2018. That's the millennial age right now, Mr. Man. Yes, so, it is. Um, what did you think of that KC uh, Rams game? We're not going to spend too much time on it because it's kind of old news by now, but this is. This is the game of the game of the century. So, well, uh, what was your take on it? Yeah, my take was that very entertaining, very a lot of fun. But I am a football I was snob. Say, I knew it. Yeah, you I know, knew it. you know, I knew it. I knew it. That's I'm why a I snob. Asked, I was like, yeah. It's just, it's not that there's scoring all that. It's that I can't accept the Chiefs pissed me off. They enraged me. They should have won the game by 21 points. They kept throwing. You gotta, you have to run at. LA, you have to. You cannot give everybody. It's like if you're boxing and you're fighting a guy without a left arm and you keep ducking right into his right side. Like, what are you doing? He doesn't have a left arm. Attack it. What are you doing? And why are you letting Aaron Donald force you into turnovers? Stop it. Run at him. We have the data. We know this. We know it to be true. Run at them. Once they grabbed that lead, should have slammed it down their yep. fucking throats. Yep. I and was they screaming at all just game. didn't do it. The, the, the big plays to Tyree Kill are awesome. That's what you want. That You know what that does? That sets up the running game even better. You hit him over the top. You run, run, run. Hit him over the top. Hit him over the top. Run, run, run. Hit him over the top. Run, run, run. Run, run, run. Hit him over the top. You, you got to keep him going. They were able to. They kept dropping back and dropping back and letting those two or three of the front four on L.A. and Fowler, Sue, and Donald to create havoc, and that lost them the game. This should not have been a close game. And, you know, I know defense is out and all this shit. I don't mind the defense side of things because I think great offense is great offense, but the flags and the penalties and the, the lack of quality coaching, the horrific decision by Sean McVay at the end to throw wow, the ball get and started. get I mean, what? And I mean, So, no, I'm not. I don't think it was the game of the century. It was fun. I love it for fantasy. I love it for DFS. I played. I cashed my first showdown, Tommy. Nice. How about boy. that? I had Gerald Everett and Chris Conley, bro. I was that a boy. I, I I'm going to yell at you for playing it, but that a boy. Do I hate that tournament? I just did it for fun, you know, and I'm going to play the three-gamer on Thanksgiving for fun because I get that fun for a couple days before I'm back to cash game Willie. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty good. I, it just wasn't – like, I'm not – I didn't see it being a Jeff Mann's game. No, it's not Jeff Mann's game. No, yeah, it was not. I didn't see that. You can't do things against the grain and just think I'm going to There play. was there, – listen, I told Rob, and you guys should – if you want my full analysis on it, um, I went on a 10-minute rant on episode 30. 30. What episode is this? 30, 31. I don't know. So yeah, episode I've lost 30. track. 
the one before the week, this one. the previous MLB yeah. model pod. Yeah, the one from two days ago. Yeah. Um, just epic rant about this is – you're going to hear me, hear me keep saying this. This is the number one – maybe will go down as the number one things Tommy G invented ever that Sean McVay is completely fucking overrated and all these analytics coaches are completely over-fucking-rated at the end of games. And I've been saying it for a month. Jeff's heard about it nonstop. I've been pointing it out when no one – when McVeigh was still the darling, now everyone's starting to come around and realize it, and they're all taking credit for themselves instead of saying, you know what, Tommy called this fucking a month ago because I watched fucking every second of every game and fucking realized it, but their clock management at the end of games is completely fucking atrocious. The biggest takeaway I got from watching these two games is the opposite of what ESPN and every other channel was talking about the next morning. The number one takeaway I got is that the Saints are walking to a Super Bowl championship. That's it. They're walking to it. Like, the Saints are going to be unstoppable because neither of these teams can stop anyone. So, I think the biggest takeaway from this game had nothing to do with the two teams in this game. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. I, I mean, I don't know about the Saints walking. I think it's pretty... I hope I'm wrong because I got Rams futures. Right. right. Yeah. They're, they're driving the car. There's no question about it. But um, I agree with you a thousand percent. Sean McVay is a very smart coach right now. But here's what everybody, it's like anything. So any fad that happens in fashion, drinking, whatever, whatever it is, everything comes in, it's a fad. Remember, freaking man buns were once cool. Freaking frosted tips were once cool. Remember that shit? Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I mean, things become not cool. Jeff Fisher was the, I, I, I might be wrong, but 1996 or seven NFL coach of the year. He was the bright, young, sharp, smart guy. He became the not guy. How did he get there? Is he sat on his shit? And everything Doug Peterson and Sean McVay have done the last couple of years, all the sharps will tell you, oh, throwing on first down is just so much better than running on first down and throwing on you and running on second down. And, you know, pass heavy is the way to go. It's only that way because it's new now. Because no one was doing it. Now exactly. when you scheme for that, the other thing becomes the best thing to do. Like zero running back theory. Like when it, that was like. Exactly. You know, like it, it's how it Because ha- no one's scheming for the unknown. No one's scheming for the thing that no one's doing. Once everyone starts doing it and it catches on. Yep. And I can tell you this better than anybody because this is the only way a fucking Neanderthal ape like myself has been able to survive and sustain as a DFS player over the last six years when 90% of the people have fallen out or are analytic geniuses Mm -hmm. because I see where everyone's going and I go the other way. And it's like I see the trends turning and I go the other way. I actually will go back to shit I did five years ago, in baseball especially, because I see everyone running so far away from it. And that's what starts to happen. McVeigh. You can only run so many handoffs to your wide receivers and so many wide receiver screens. Probably got another year or two of being able to do this until teams are going to start scheming for that, and then running is going to become sneaky. Yep. And then everyone's going to start running again, and then everyone's – and the, the evolution. So we do need to see the evolution. I don't want to spend too much more time on this since it's old. Well, I'm going to say one but, more thing just about the timely reference is that we're, what we're seeing right now as we're recording this podcast, where's all the crypto geniuses at? Exactly. Where are they at? Where are you at, everybody? It's the future. It's the currency of the future. What happened? And let me ask you, Jeff. Yeah. Who was the only person? You you don't involve yourself in crypto, or you probably would have been on my bandwagon. 
Who is the only person screaming at Bitcoin 20,000? And short, sell, get the fuck out. And I was getting lit on fire, and now all those people are just gone. I don't like giving Tommy credit. I real, I trust me, people. You have to understand what my soul is, and it, I don't like it. But I have to. He was literally the, the only, only person one. that was doing it. And not only that, I remember him sending charts via text to our staff saying, guys, like, hey, as a bro, get the fuck out. It's peaking here, and you diagrammed it. And I just sit there and read it, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm not in any of this shit. I don't know. I don't know. But well, everybody's uh, like, actually, no, this person. Everybody. But it's, it's the thing. The newest thing is always the hottest thing. It's always the hottest thing. Whatever's new is great. It doesn't matter. Everybody listening, all of us grew up not wanting to do whatever our parents were doing. Why? Because it was old and boring. No matter what, even if we we went and did things our grandparents and great-grandparents did just because it was different to us and new. And once it's not, look at like Facebook, look at the social network movie and, and how that was made. Once it's not fun, it sucks. It's just done, right? Now Facebook's not cool. Yep. Facebook was the greatest thing you know, six years, seven years Look ago. at how much these apps cycle over. Look at how much these games and fashion trends and all this everything. cycle. Everything. And football's the, football's the exact same. Same exact way. You can it's win by running way. the ball. What Sean McVay did at the end of that game, it should have been punishable by going – he should have been in prison for throwing the football when he didn't have to. You risk bad pass – a, ba- a defender picking it off and running it back. The receiver Which almost happened. And the clock all stops. Why would you give the opportunity back? It was one of the worst coaching decisions in the history of professional football. Sorry. Yeah, and, and it's just funny because the whole game he was throwing on first down where Gurley wasn't even existing in the first half. And then when the game gets close, he starts running on first down. And then when you should run on first down, he starts throwing on first down. And get, like. It, it, he was literally upside down the whole the oh, whole fourth and, and, quarter. And the other thing is just don't ever trust NFL announcers. By the way, I have concrete proof that the National Football League is conspiring to keep injuries out of the hands of the media. And ESPN outright refused to acknowledge the fact that Todd Gurley had an injury. I reported it at Jeff underscore Mans on Twitter. I said it over and over and over and over and over. There has to be. Something's wrong. That tackle that he got horse collared on second play of the game, something happened. Guess what, Tommy? The Spanish language broadcast of that game talked about it the entire time. Really? The entire game. ESPN's English language version was told not to report anything. That. Is our that's the National Football League in 2018? Welcome to it, everybody. Right, and and uh, on another show because we want to keep this one tight because Thanksgiving. I'm and, trying. You know, you go, no, 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 not, not anything you did now. I'm saying going I'm forward. I was about to go on a rant about how games get fixed and why games are fixed and the whole theory about that because I had a long talk with Rob about it today. But um, we'll save that for next week or the week after, maybe in January, where I start explaining to you all the big conspiracy theories that are going on, not only across the world, but across the NFL and other sports. So I'll explain that to you. Yeah, we need Twilight Zone music for that one. So uh, so let's talk about this Turkey Day slate. Actually, you want to have some fun first? Let's have some fun here. We've been yelling a lot. So let's have a little fun. Let's do some fuck, Mary kills. So uh, let's see here. I got announcers. You were just talking about announcers. Okay. So fuck, Mary kill. Okay, what do we got? Buck and Aikman, Collinsworth and Michaels, Booger, Witten, and Tessator. You got to fuck one crew, you got to marry one crew, and you got to kill one crew. Wow, I like this. is a smart one. I like how you did the crew and some of the individuals because you got to take them all. Because you got a decent one in, in each of these. 
Yeah, they're, they're I mean, I'm not as anti Joe Buck as the world. It's, I'm not either. I'm not I just either. don't. It's not here. It's not there. It doesn't really do anything for me. Al Michaels is a staple, and I've grown up with him. Collinsworth like is uh, whatever. So, man, this is tough. I'm going to kill. I have to kill Tessator, Witten, and Booger, Booger. and Witten. I have to kill them. It's just in. They're they're not ready. It maybe in five years. I don't know. I have to get away from it though. I, I can't. I listen to Booger McFarlane with SVP after the game, and I'm like, wow, this guy actually knows something. Like, where is this guy right. during the broadcast? <laughs> Why can't this guy be on the show like the broadcast? So I am going to kill them. I guess I'm going to marry. Oh God, Al Michaels and Collinsworth. I just Ooh. Al Michaels. I'm just he's he's. I feel like I'm married to him. I'm, so many sports, so many years I've been with them, and then I'll fuck Buck and Aikman because Troy Aikman's got a pretty mouth. <laughs> pretty mouth. I'm gonna. Uh, I want to kill Collinsworth more than anyone, so that's why that's why the pairing makes it tough because I love Al Michaels. I don't care, like, dude. I don't care what these fucking millennials say. You you don't have the nostalgia. They hate every announcer. Like it doesn't matter. Every announcer, except Tony Romo's first three weeks. But every announcer is fucking horrible. Like they all suck and they're all garbage, you know. But like even Boomer, when everyone was like, you know, Chris Berman, when they were like, fucking Berman's garbage. I'm like, dude, I grew up on Berman. Like he was a staple in my life. Like I don't even care if he's garbage. Like he revolutionized. Like there's still terms we use today that he created. So Michaels will never die. I will never kill Michaels. So Collinsworth is getting saved. By Al Michaels. That's exactly kind of my thing. That's the man, because trust me, Collinsworth would be the first person I would kill. I guess I'm going to marry. Uh, let me kill Booger, Witten, and Tessator, too. Okay. Because that broadcast is a fucking shit show. First of all, it's just a fucking disaster. Uh, and, and honestly, three guys that seem fairly likable. Yeah. You know, like Collinsworth is not likable at all. You know, like he's... even though Joe Buck, I think he's okay, he's not a likable guy. Right. Um, but yeah, you're right. They're just not ready. It's just bad. It's like it's literally just like the shit they say is like either a third grader. You need to be a third grader to be informed by it. So they're out. I'm going to fuck Buck and Aikman also for the simple fact that I do like Joe Buck has his moments for me. And Aikman actually has his moments, too. Yeah. I don't think he's as bad as everyone says. Like no. Aikman has his moments. Um, so I'm going to fuck Buck and Aikman and I'm going to marry Collinsworth and Michaels. And the reason why is because of Al Michaels. But even Collinsworth. I like that he's around because everyone hates him so much yeah. that it actually provides a lot of entertainment. When yeah. Collinsworth fucks up on TV, it's great on Twitter because everyone just loses their minds. So. I like the fact that Collinsworth does embrace analytics, so that's his one saving grace to me. He's not I, good at it, though. That's no, no, he's like, not he's good fu- at it. But he's he, terrible at it, but he's would, trying. But, but he's not an old fart that says, no, witchcraft, everything doesn't mean anything. You know, So he's he's okay in that regard. And the thing, like you said, Tessator, I love the energy he does, but he doesn't do it right. He over-energizes yeah. uh, situations. Oh, wrong times, yeah. Witten is atrocious and shouldn't be on a broadcast. And it's not his fault. They forced him into He's it. He's not ready. Because Romo got the job, now Witten had to get it. It was just bad from the get-go. So that that's really what drags the whole thing down, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, let's get to uh, to this week's Turkey Day slate from a DFS perspective. Yeah. So... For those of you that are living under a rock, this is one of the favorite slates for everyone to play, even though it's not a great cash game slate. Um, no. First question, Jeff, will you be playing any cash this week? No, zero. I'm having okay, fun. Okay, so this zero cash. fun so, for me. Yeah. Right, so this is a fun money slate. 
You shouldn't be dumping a ton into it. You're going to see 70-80% ownership. Any slate where you're going to see 70-80% ownership is, is a slate that you should be playing GPP only. It's like a showdown on steroids, right? Yep. I'm building multiple games. lineups even. I'm doing yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, fuck week. around, dude. Throw, yeah, just fucking spread it all around. Spread yeah. your seed. Yeah. Like, I'm going to have I'm gonna have guys in lineups that fucking, I, I don't Trapping even know why they're in there. fucking lineups. <laughs> You're just like, I'll have Andy Jones in a lineup, you know, and yes. fucking Kirkwood and guys like that. I don't give a fuck. Oh, but, uh, but these are the slates where you got to be a little weird in order to win. So, on this slate, uh, just looking at it, the big injuries for this slate, we have Trubisky, which is looking doubtful. Any info on he's him? He's gone. Yeah, he's out. Is he sure. officially out now? Okay. 100% um, out. So Chase Daniel's going to start for the Bears. All right. Uh, the quarterback situation, that's pretty much it. We, uh, we already know about Alex Smith, unfortunately, for him. Uh, we know he's gone. Colt McCoy's in there. We'll talk about quarterback in a minute. Running back situation, Kerryon Johnson is out. Mm-hmm. The impact there, Mr. Manns, because this could be a variety of things. This could be LeGarrette Blunt. This could be Zach Zenner popping out of nowhere. And this could be Theo Riddick seeing 10 carries. So what, what are we seeing with this situation in Detroit? And do you even want any of it being that it's against Chicago? Um, if this wasn't a three-game slate, yeah, I would be running for the hills and not even nobody would be interesting to me. But because it's so... You know, such a low slate. I think the guy I like the most is Zach Center. Uh, the reason being, he's the least popular guy. Most random people will say, oh, Blunt is the new guy, and or Riddick is the pass-catching guy. Zenner's going to be both of those. He's going to play more of the carry-on role than people think. I don't, I've never liked Zach Center. I will never like Zach Center. But... It's an opportunity in a three-game slate that he can catch some balls. He can get in the end zone, get eight to ten-yard runs, something like that, and yeah, he could do some damage. So he's my favorite. I do like Theo a little bit, although the one thing about Riddick is I'm not sure the Lions are going to play from behind as much as people think, Tommy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, obviously we don't have Trubisky in there, right? So right. this is a situation when me and Rob recorded the podcast. Um, obviously the Trubisky news was just, oh, he's kind of sitting out of practice on Monday and she should be fine. The Trubisky news came out of nowhere. Right. And another NFL injury that legit came out of the clear blue sky. My favorite thing is you've had this happen, Jeff, right? When you drop the podcast, the the news breaks that he's doubtful and you look like a fucking idiot because the whole podcast you're talking about during my show yesterday. I was saying, I was teasing this, and I was like, well, Jeff Swaim, you know, against Washington. Washington's not good. Jeff Swaim is a broken arm. It comes out like an hour later. And I'm like, Dude, are you fucking idiot? You fucking idiot? You fucking like, dumbass. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing a radio show. I'm not on Roto World like you are. Time. What do you, what you want me to do? Fuck. Yeah. I, I get that breaking news from updates on my phone. My phone's off when I'm on the radio. Oh, shit. But, uh, yeah, so I, I kind of agree with you here. I think Riddick is interesting on FanDuel. Oh, look at me dropping FanDuel what? pricing. Yep, you heard it here first. Tommy G knows the prices on FanDuel. This is weird. Amazing what happens when you hit a queue. Um, <laughs> but he's 4500 on FanDuel, and he's 4500 on DraftKings. So he's very cheap on FanDuel. Usually a guy who's 4500 on DraftKings would be about 5500 to 6K on FanDuel. So FanDuel is a half-point PPR, keep in mind, so he's yes. not as effective over there. But if you want to get in the big four, you know, he's a guy who a lot of people are going to go to. So I think his ownership is going to be higher on FanDuel, shockingly, even though he's a more effective player on DraftKings by about three or four points. Uh, but I'm with you. I think Zach Sander makes for an interesting, fun play that you never know. You yeah. know, that guy could could end up being the bell cow. If he has a first – if he rushes for like 15 yards on his first three carries, you better believe that they're riding the hot hand. So whoever it is, 
that gets you know the first the first wheels going is going to be the guy that they start riding for a good quarter and a half two quarters yeah, like Garrett Blunt had like seven carries for one yard. He's the so other bad day. right now. Like yeah, he's, he's just, really bad. It was yeah. Oh my god, I was exactly right. I did not. I did not have that queued up. By the way, his last three games: seven rushes for one yard, six rushes for four yards, five rushes for eight yards, three rushes for three yards. His last yeah. four games, dude. And he had a wow. ten for fifty game, and then before that, it was twelve for twenty-two, seven for twelve. Yep. <laughs> so oh it's my like, god. you know, he has averaged less than two yards per carry. In five of his last, and what, six of his last and seven games? And he has a games. four for negative three in week one against the Jets. This is not a good year. Yeah, I mean, it, he looks bad. Like, the, the show is over there with Blunt. So, um, yeah, that, that's part of the reason why. So, I come, I'm kind of with you there. Chris Thompson is out again. We don't need to analyze that too much because we're used to that. He's been out for a while now. Um, Samaje P. Ryan, is he going to play? Listed as questionable right now for the game. I know he didn't practice, but I mean, I, I think, think so, no. he was practicing in a limited fashion the last two days. So he's at least possibly playing. So is something to just at least keep your eye out on if you're really looking to dig there. He's 3K. Uh, at the wide receiver position, we have Marvin Jones declared out again this week mm-hmm. against Chicago. So Jones will not be playing. Uh, the interesting situation there is what's going on with Ellington because everyone's searching for value. Everyone's right. looking for that sneaky punt. I don't think Ellington's sneaky. You know, he's coming off a pretty pretty big nine-target nine targets, game. Yeah. But he's got a back problem. He's yeah. a little guy who's shifty with a back issue on a short week. So that's a little bit worrisome. He's been a limited participant in practice. So what are you thinking? Do you think he plays? Yeah, I think he does play. I think it's trending in that direction, but it's far from a sure thing. And anytime it's a back injury, it's not just about whether he plays on the first snap. But what do we see with Sammy Watkins on Monday? Right, yeah, like, yeah. You know, these guys, they, oh, yeah, I'm going to play, and then, boom, they're out the first or second play of the game. So there, there's that risk in there, too. You can't afford to start a guy and then have him go out of the game injured either. Yeah, and, and the thing is here is that this is where everyone's going to hunt for the value, right? Like, oh, yeah. you know, the, the second receiver on Detroit. You know, if it's Ellington, you're going to see a lot of Ellington in lineups. If he's out, then you'll probably see a lot of T.J. Jones in lineups, right? Um, yep. Is there anyone else who's even viable? Like, do an Andy Jones or Powell oh. even suit up? Powell was supposed to. These guys were inactive. To. Yeah, right. I know, but he he's supposed to be like a thing, but then they bring in Ellington over the top. Um, so uh, supposedly they liked Powell before. So I'll be curious to see if he's active and if he is, you know, what, what kind of run he gets. But um, they're all – I mean, everybody's viable in a three-game slate, but – I don't know how deep I would go past that. T.J. Jones is. What do you think about T.J. Jones? And let me ask you that. I'm okay with him. I I think that the one issue that they have is the Bears have a real good. uh, His name Bryce Callahan is the slot corner. This guy's been freaking money. One of the best corners. uh, Reminding a lot of comparisons to Chris Harris Jr. in Denver this year. He had a big pick the other day uh, against Minnesota. So Callahan's. It's a tough matchup. Whoever's going to play inside here for Detroit, whether it's Jones, whether it's Ellington, any of those guys. Um, it's a t- it's a real tough matchup. I prefer Galladay on Detroit. Like, oh, obviously, Galladay. Yeah, it, it's not just because it's obvious. It's because I don't think Kyle Fuller is as good as people think he is. Um, and he can, you know, there's a huge size advantage. We know the amount of targets. So I like Galladay here. There are other places I'm going to go with the value is what I'm saying. Okay. Um, Traquan Smith. This is a this is a big yeah. one. This is a slate changing one here because he's yeah. the most mispriced and probably going to be the most popular. 
Um, everyone wants a piece of Traquan this week. DraftKings was the only person who didn't watch the games last week. Um, have him at 4,700. That's pretty cool. Like, how could you be that fucking retarded? Like, honestly, like, it's we're at, we're at week 12, people. Like, the gloves are off. Like, uh, there's no more, like, like, you can't be this fucking stupid to see the guy that fucking won the million, won everyone all the money on every slate, like a guy that was 4K that went for 38 points on every site, and then make him 4,700 this week. Like, you can't be that fucking stupid. Like, fuck you. Oh, but you can. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you can, obviously. Yeah, like, shockingly. Like, I didn't think you could, but fuck you for pricing him at 4,700. He should be 6,500, and he would still be 20% owned if he was playing at 6,500. So, fuck you, you fucking idiots. But, um, you know, he's 6400 on FanDuel at least. Mm-hmm. You know, like, at least it's reasonable. Like, at least you got to pay a little chunk of money for him. Like, right. th- fuck, it's so annoying, man. It, it, ugh. But I'll anyway, s- I'll do you think Traquan's playing? Ah, uh, you know what? I, I really think this is more questionable than anything. I, I do think that there's something here with him and his foot. Um, but here, here's what, two things with this. I don't want to touch Traquan Smith. I don't want anything to do with him. That's why this injury actually hurts me in a personal manner because I wanted him to be 80% because that was going to be my big fade. Like, that's the way I set this up. The Saints, they activated Tommy Lee Lewis. I know he's mostly a kick returner and shit like that, but they, they activated uh, Kirkwood from the practice squad a week ago. Traquan Smith had been gone. Look at his snaps. Everything had been gone going up until last week. And he went bananas, and it's great. But I think it's a very thin line between him producing in the game and him not producing in the game. And I don't. He think also had one of the best matchups in football. Kinda last week. Last week. Last week. Oh yeah, absolutely. This week it's still a good matchup, but it's not as good as it was a week ago. I, I think Austin Carr and Keith Kirkwood and freaking Tommy Lee Lewis and fucking uh, who's that other motherfucker? Dan Arnold, Austin Carr. There's a they randomize their receiving core here a lot. Plus, you got to get Kamara to eat. You got to give a tiny bit to Watson. You got to give something to um, Michael Thomas. No, there's a lot of mouths, right? Like, there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, listen, if it wasn't a three-game slate, I'd be more interested because it would spread it out. But an 80% Traquan Smith's not something I wanted going into this slate, Tommy. Yeah. I mean, uh, what's going on with Brandon Marshall? I don't know if I'm Yeah, that's another one. He could be activated, too, here. Are they playing him? I don't know. What the I don't. Going on he there. was on the sideline last week, and he's with the team and working out and all this kind of stuff. But um, not not a sure thing. I think that they're targeting week thirteen for him Makes down sense. the stretch because give him a little bit more time instead of a short week. But I, I think there's probably a thirty percent chance he's active. Yeah, that week, would make shit interesting for sure. Absolutely. Um, Jamison Crowder looks like he might actually be feeding the field for the first time since, what, week four or five, yep. I think was the last time we saw him. You think he's trending towards playing? They've been – I mean, he's been trending towards playing for three weeks. And do you want anything to do with him if he is? Um, I don't mind it because it's an interesting spot on the offense that – 3,900 under it. Yeah, and he, he's crazy cheap. I think the slot receiver on Washington's designed for production – um and Colt McCoy, I don't, I don't think it's that big of a downgrade from Smith to McCoy. Other I don't either. Than, other than a turnover, so I actually would be interested in Crowder if he ends up playing. And I, this is one like with Traquan, we hope people don't hear about it and do play him. And I hope that people don't look at uh, Jameis 
Jameson and don't play him. That would right. be perfect. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, on that. I would rather play him. So yes, I like him as a sneaky play there. So do I. Um, tight end position. Uh, we got a couple people out. We got Swaim out. Obviously, we got Shaheen out. Um, Roberts is questionable. So tight end is pretty cut and dry this week. We'll get to that when we go position by position. So uh, let's go back to quarterback now. So. Obviously, this is all GPP, guys. We're not talking yes. cash games. We're not doing cash There's no games. safety. Me, right. You go balls yeah. the wall. Yeah, we're basically... We're you playing eat chalk, to, and you spit fire, period. <laughs> we're playing to win the game right here. So let me give you guys a little ownership guess on my end. I think Drew Brees is going to be the chalk. I think you're going to see him at about 45% owned. I think Matt Ryan's going to come in second at about 25 maybe even 30% owned. So I think 75% of the quarterbacks are going to come from that New Orleans-Atlanta game. Yep. And then you're going to see a little splattering of Chase Daniel, Colt McCoy, Prescott, and Stafford mixed around. Stafford being, in my opinion, the lowest-owned quarterback on the entire slate going against Chicago without a lot of his weapons. So if we want to get weird, we're going to have to definitely get off Breeze. You don't need to analyze Breeze. Breeze is in a great spot. But um, where are you going if you want to get weird off that? Chase Daniel. like My... My write-up for the Turkey Day things is Drew Brees is the spot to go, uh, obviously, for obvious reasons. And I think a lot of people, you hit it, right? They will pivot to Ryan thinking they're different. I think Chase Daniels the the place to go. On that touch in Washington and Dallas, the game's too slow. Expected total's too slow. Both defenses are not only good, but really underrated. So people don't like that. So I'm not touching any of the quarterbacks in that game. I go to Chase Daniel because if he could run this offense – even halfway decently, and Matt Nagy will come up with some big plays. And yeah, get... and he played with Matt Nagy before. He of knows course. Nagy's system. Yeah, exactly. He knows the style. He knows the And they system. gave him like $7 million or some shit, $7 didn't they? Million like in this offseason. Yeah, Ted yeah Schuster they... loves Chase Daniel. I like I, – yeah. dude, here, here's what I'll say, and then I'll, I'll let you finish your point. Yeah. From a betting perspective, Jeff, this line dropped from four to three. Mm-hmm. It didn't drop from four to pick him. And everyone's like, oh, Tommy, you told us to get in early on the Bears. I was in the chat all day going, guys, I still love the fucking Bears as a bet this week. I absolutely fucking love the Bears as a bet. I don't think this Detroit team sucks. This Bears defense is going to eat them alive. That front line with no running back and no receivers. They're going to eat Stafford. They're going to sack him 10 times. They will only need to score 17 points in this game to win this game. So I still like the Bears bet. 100%. 100%. So I think on, the, the, the here's the things that worry me from Chicago's offense is one thing Trubis, Trubisky wasn't a good passer. What he was good at doing is extending drives, picking up yards with his feet and extending drives so they got more drives and more opportunities. That's the deficiency that Chase Daniel doesn't have. Now, he might be a better passer. And that could extend things and help the receivers. Because can't the, really be worse outside the numbers and deep, right? It's <laughs> not. Yeah, I don't think you can. I mean, it's really hard to. Detroit is not a team you can run on anymore. And the world does not see this yet. But they got Damon Harrison in the middle. Ziggy Ansa is back. Snacks Harrison. They're, these guys are back. And these guys are good. And if you notice the last couple games. 50 yards, 50 yards. They're not running on Detroit as much. So. Um, I'm completely out. I know we'll talk running backs later, but I'm, I, it's going to be more passing. And I think that you know Stafford can weave magic every now and then. And I said I don't doubt that Detroit keeps this game competitive. They have I a like habit of over. doing this on, on Thanksgiving Day. 
and making some big plays down the field. I think Kenny Galladay's a good idea. And that means more passing for Chase Daniel. The more more attempts he gets against this secondary. Detroit secondary is garbage. And that's where you want to go with the football. So that's why I think Daniel's in a good situation that if this game ends up shooting up a little bit, you can get into the hemisphere of a Breeze or Ryan in that late game. That's why Daniel's the pivot. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I like the over in this game initially with Trubisky in because I thought it would pace up. I thought the Bears would be able to score a lot and then they'd soften up a little defensively and mm-hmm. you know Detroit could, could get some points on the board. I think it hurts Stafford that Trubisky's not in. Honestly, because I think it's going to end up being a lower scoring game now where, you know, I think Daniel's going to be fine. I, I think I, but I don't know, you know, like it's just logic would tell right. me Trubisky's not a good passer. He's got weapons. Daniel probably knows this system better than Trubisky. He's known Nagy longer. So, and they gave him a bunch of money. So they definitely believe in him. He likes what he saw in him. And we know, you know, systems make quarterbacks, right? So that's why I'm still confident in the Bears, but I liked the over initially. Now I'm looking at probably just staying off the total. But, um, yeah, it's not much. The one thing I will say here is there's a wide receiver that I do like in this game that we'll talk about when we get to wide receivers. But I actually like Colt McCoy a little bit. Um, now, hear me out on this, Jeff. Uh-huh. I, know, I know every part of my being is saying stay the fuck away from this game outside of Zeke, yeah. right? But I think that's what everyone's going to do. And McCoy, even though it's a slow-paced game, I, I like the kid. He's been in the league for a while now, right? And the thing McCoy could do is he can run. You know, he can move. And you saw it last game in, the, in that game uh, against Houston. You know, he ran the ball like six times for like 30, 40 yards at the end of that game. Yeah. So I'm thinking here, if I can punt with Colt McCoy, you know, it's almost 2000 It's full $2,000 less than Drew Brees. If I can punt with Colt McCoy and I could just go steal 60, 50, 40 rushing yards out of him, that'll be enough where I'm I'm okay with him throwing for 200 and then I hope he, you know, gets a touchdown or two. I go get my 12 points on a short slate and then I go beat him with the bats as we say in baseball. So, I think he's viable. Um Chase Daniel, I have no idea what's going to happen. I my logic tells me that he should be okay, but I know I'm going to get 40 rushing yards from Colt McCoy. I I just do you disagree with me on this? Like do you think there's a chance he doesn't run around cuz they have no line. So he's just scram he's just, Colt McCoy's going to drop back and just run. Trent Williams may return, but he will be far less than 100% for this game, which is a good thing for McCoy. The the thing is, is I think the line is a big deal. Even if Williams isn't 100, it plays, is he's not 100%. The reason Alex Smith's foot got broke off is because, you know, because he, he, you know, there's no offensive line. So that's why another reason I'm out on McCoy. I'll, I'll say this. The thing that intrigues me the most, yes, he'll run a little bit more than Smith. Smith runs every now and then. So I don't doubt that. I But here's the thing about Colt McCoy. He is going back to Texas. I mean, mm-hmm. that that is something. Grew up in Tuscaloosa, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And so there's well, we a little bit there. of a he narrative to, here going there. Dallas in there and all the shit. So, yeah, I know went to Texas. So, you know, there's there's something. But uh, it, it, just the Cowboys, watch look what the Cowboys did to Matt Ryan last week. Right. They shut them the fuck down. They take the ball, and they sit on the football and wait for it to hatch. They just waste time, waste time, They're waste so time, slow. waste time. And it drives me crazy having a player against them. And this defense, even though without Sean Lee, is pretty damn good. So, it to me, if if it wasn't the Saints and Falcons tonight and the night game, 
I'd be totally into it. I'd be much more interested. But, man, the fact that everybody's going to have one of these two guys in a game with 60 total, and then the pivot is Chase Daniel, who could go bananas against Detroit, I think you're fading too many points for McCoy, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm probably going to end up going going Chase Daniel. Just you having the confidence in him, too, now um, yeah. definitely helps. I like that matchup a lot better. I like the pace a lo- even a little better. So Yes. It's tough. I mean, Stafford is worth a dart, I guess, being that they shouldn't be able to run the ball. You know, we saw Dalvin Cook and the Vikings just literally get nothing going to the point where they just straight abandoned it. So, you know, interesting. They are at home on Thanksgiving. So, you know, you got to – the Dome will speed them up a little bit, which will, you know, slow that defense down, believe it or not. A lot of people say, oh, the Dome – you don't want a sped-up game. It doesn't speed the defense up and make them faster. It helps the offense when you're on a faster turf. So – I do think Stafford will be able to put up some points. I think he's going to get sacked 100 times, but I also think he's going to be able to put up some points and make a couple big plays. Any interest in Dak Prescott? Any interest in in anyone else here? I mean, what's... Hell no. No. I, I mean, I think it, we're going to have to win with quarterback, receiver, tight end kind of thing. Right. So we're going Daniel uh, or Breeze, right? right? That seems to be where we're going. All right. So yeah. running back position. Uh, this is where you're going to want to spend, obviously, Ezekiel Elliott uh, just in in rare form right now. Forget about the matchup. He's actually catching six, seven balls a game right now. Thank God, finally. I don't fucking understand it. But finally, he's, they're throwing to him out of the backfield. So, I mean, you're, you're looking at 35, 40-point games every time he steps on the field for the last two or three weeks. So, you know, you got him and Kamara. We know they're the top two. It's not even a choice. Most people are going to jam them both in. Both these guys, from an ownership perspective, are going to be 60% owned. You're not fooling anyone because everyone's starting their lineup with a 75% owned Kamara and a 70% owned Zeke. But gun to your head, which one of these do you take? Kamara. Kamara. Because it's Atlanta. Um, yeah, also, I mean, Washington's defense is no joke, and I get it. The Falcons beat him up the, a couple games ago and actually ran against them, but Zeke had 33 yards on 15 attempts against them just a couple weeks ago. Tyron Smith had a stinger on Sunday, back spasms on Thursday. He's going to play. Connor Williams is banged up. Zach Martin still got the knee injury. So the offensive line is there, but I could tell last week Zeke, May have played his best game I've ever seen him in his NFL career, at least last week, because I didn't think he had near. Usually, it's Zeke runs free. It's all offensive line for the Cowboys. Last week, he was he made everything breaking tackles, moving, spinning, jumping. He was doing a lot. So it took a lot to get that production. It's going to take even more. I have a feeling against the Redskins. So I'm not as high on Zeke. I mean, listen. (laughs) <laughs> normally I am, but you got to fade somewhere, right? So that's why some of these guys, it's like in a season-long league, I'm going to start Zeke. I'm not even going to think about it. But in this environment, I, I'm gonna, I'll plug Kamara in. I'm going to use the chalk there, and I'm likely going to fade Zeke at least on my first four lineups. If I build six, I'll end up having one Zeke lineup just to get a taste because you can't really get that. But I'm going pretty aggressive fade on Zeke. He's, you know, he's a great player. It's, I think it's less than ideal situation. If between Kamara and Zeke, if one of them's going to not produce, in my opinion, it's more likely to be Zeke. I mean, yeah, you're going against the Falcons here. So you're looking at a situation where this is the dream matchup for a pass-catching running back. 20 we targets upgrade, against the Falcons we, earlier. Exactly. We 20. upgrade non-pass-catching running backs versus the Falcons, mm-hmm. let alone a guy like Kamara, who basically that's just what he, 90% of his game is fucking out of the backfield through the air. 
15 catches on 20 targets for 124 yards last game. <laughs> Keep in mind, there was no Ingram. That's true. This was a much different Saints defense, too. I think that is absolutely critical to say. This Saints defense right now is one of the best defenses in football over the last couple weeks. Um, they've looked really – they just ate Cincinnati like they were a fucking biscuit at breakfast. And then they made Philly look worse than Cincinnati, right? And those are two offenses that have some pop. You know, you're not talking about the fucking Niners or fucking someone like that or the Bills. So this defense is hot. They're shutting people down. Uh, my boy Lattimore looks like he's turned it around, which I like a lot. I said I'm not giving up on him. I'm not giving up on his talent. He's looking a lot better. They're just – so the thing that worries me a tiny bit with Kamara, because I'm just looking for a reason to fade at 85% owned or whatever he's going to be, is Ingram's back. Maybe they get a nice little lead, and maybe this becomes the Ingram show like it always does when they have a big lead. So if you are fading Kamara, which you should, because anyone who's 80% owned deserves a fade on at least a team or two, because you have to just assume he may turn his ankle. You never know. But you, you need the Saints D, and you need Ingram on that lineup. You cannot fade Kamara without playing Ingram and the Saints D because you're going to need the fucking blowout in order to keep Kamara down in this game. Yeah, I think that's good advice. That's exactly yeah. right. Um, if the, I mean, the spread is still – it opened at 14. It's gone down. I saw 12.5 and, and 13 earlier. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I strongly believe I'm not as sold in the Saints defense and not because they're not playing well. It's because I think they've been able to play well lately because they've had such extraordinary leads. They're ahead. Yeah. They're just so far ahead, and when they get ahead, they just pin their ears back, and boom, it's a lot easier. Whereas in tight games and close games, it's a whole different story. So I think this game, though, my game script for this one is a lot closer. I think Atlanta keeps it within the two-touchdown margin, keeps pressure on the Saints a little bit, keeps throwing aggressively on the Saints, too, and thus, I think, more Camara and you know that we don't see Ingram just run away with it, but I uh, think I like you said, your logic—you could if you could find a reason. If you think Saints are going to yeah. roll like they have been, then it makes more sense to fade Kamara and go Ingram. I'm just personally not doing it. Yeah, we're on opposite sides. I think the unders a great play in this game at 60. Uh, I think the Saints win this game 34 12, 34-14, 34-14. Yeah, just something weird. It's going to be a weird. About? It's going to be a weird number. It's going to be like a fucking. Like a, two field goals and a mixed, missed extra point on the touchdown. Like it's going to be a fucking. They're, this game's going. You don't under. think Atlanta? What happened no. to everybody loving Atlanta? What happened? I here? I, I have Remember been two a weeks ago. Like Matt Ryan was a. You got to play Matt Ryan. There's no other way. I wasn't. I was never. I, I was know never. You were not. I, know I was with saying. you. I was like regression is coming. Yes. You know winter is coming. But you remember, too, I've been pro Saints D this whole time. I've believed in their you run did. D. Yes. So, I mean, obviously, now that they're proving me right, I'm fucking definitely not bailing now. So, I think they devour Matt Ryan in this game. I think they're going to lock him down. I think this game, they're going to keep this, the Atlanta Falcons down a little bit. And uh, I think this is going to, Ingram's a little bit better play than people think. But Kamara's still the nuts, obviously. Um, other running backs on this slate, we just spoke about Ingram, Tariq Cohen, we say we can't run on Detroit, and you got a young quarterback. Might Tariq Cohen see 9, 10 targets in this game? Tevin Coleman, who's definitely starting to turn a corner, even though for some reason he averaged 7 yards per carry last week, and they gave him the ball 8 times, but his production has been there. He's, he's actually, you know, his first few games of the year, it was like 2.2, 2.1, 3.6. The last 4 or 5 games, 7.3, 4, 6.8, 4.5 yards per carry. 
So we're also seeing a snap share increase. I think he was up to like almost 65% of the snaps last week. Looks like they're starting to finally get off this Edo Smith, Smith obsession a little bit. So uh, any interest in Tevin? He's going to be contrarian. Tariq is going to be contrarian. Um, AP is going to be contrarian. Huh. Jordan Howard will be contrarian. Well, um, and then obviously all the cheap guys under that. I don't know if I would touch Adrian Peterson. I don't know if you heard that story yet. He had, he had admit- suspended. He could be suspended. It probably won't happen before tomorrow. But he admitted to hitting his kid again. Like, he just admitted it in an interview that he hit him, like, the other day. It's like, this dude is out of his fucking mind. Like, you are out of your mind. I'm sure there's a story. I don't want to speculate. But what are you doing? I mean, either doing it, not doing it, saying it, not saying it. Whatever you're doing, stop talking. It's... The end of Adrian Peterson. I won't touch him. I don't like the matchup anyway, so it makes it easier. And I don't like 35-year-old running backs in three days rest either. So, And I don't like the mental aspect of dealing with this shit when you're supposed to be focused on a big game. Exactly. He doesn't rebound well. Like, if he had seven days, ten days between games, fine. But giving him three days, nah, not on old legs. I don't like it. So what about what about Cohen? What about the Bears running backs? Or uh, who was the other one I mentioned? I'm not Tariq on Howard. Cohen. I like Tariq Cohen. Zach Zenner on Detroit, I think, is a deep pull. And the other guy, I'll say, is Edo Smith. Uh, you're right that the they've been widening this gap between the uh, Tevin Coleman and Edo Smith. The reason Edo Smith's interesting to me, he gets run in the goal line, which is always intriguing. But if this game does blow out, Edo Smith's going to be in there a lot more. All of a sudden, there's going to be maybe 55, 45 in favor of him because they had it, uh, was it last week? Edo wasn't in the beginning, and then he came in later. So I think Edo Smith is kind of, he's very intriguing. And I have a feeling Edo's going to make multiple lineups for me this week to go wrong with Kamara. So that, that will be my sort of difference pairing. You have one I mean, listen, uber chalk three- guy, and then Edo, who you know has different paths to making points for us. Yeah, they're 3K on a three-game slate, right? Yeah. So, you know, nothing's out of the question. I think Tevin Coleman is a little bit interesting. Um, I still don't understand fully for a guy like Coleman, who's actually a pretty good pass-catching back, why he's not in there at the end. Like, I don't, it I don't get all logic. I don't get why he's not getting 80% of the carries and he's getting more pass-catching stuff. But Tariq Cohen is interesting for sure. Oh, yeah. Because, um, again, we don't know what Chase Daniels is going to do. We don't know how this game is going to go. We do know that Slay should probably, you know, eliminate or water down Allen Robinson. We do know that Chase Daniels is a young quarterback. We do know that Detroit defense has gotten a lot better. So you'd imagine there's going to be a lot, you know, in between the numbers and and outside of the backfield. So I could see Tariq Cohen being a sneaky play. And then we spoke about Ingram. So Tariq Cohen is probably the guy who I think he'll be – he could either be a tournament winner or he could be a bust for you. But – um He's a guy who I think is going to come in very, very low-owned, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, at the wide receiver position, we already spoke about the cheap backs and Zenner and those guys. Wide receiver, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, two big ones at the top. Which way are you going? Oh, so impossibly tough. I think Julio. I think that, you know, got to go right at him. Go at Lattimore. He's had success in the past against him. You, you, he's the guy. Julio has been getting those touchdowns finally now. Um, takes that whole narrative away, you know. And so now we just get to play the game. And he's been as dominant as any receiver in the league this year. 
if Atlanta plays from behind, as you suggest, and as the game script in Vegas suggests, it's got to be that constant Julio, just constant, constant, constant. So I think I like him over over Thomas. The problem with Michael Thomas is that there's so many fucking options. It drives you nuts. If I had Michael Thomas last, and I know he scored a touchdown, and I know receiver points were down, but seeing Kirkwood, Traquan Smith, Austin Tate, or whatever the fuck his name is, it would have gone I would have gone insane. I would have broke things like you. Like, I would have broke TV sets and shit. I couldn't have done it. So, um, that that's just, it's too much for me. It's it just, it's it's too much with Michael Thomas. Obviously, he's a great situation. Obviously, he's a great player. Obviously, he'd go for 203 touchdowns. Like, these things could happen, but if I had to pick one, it's Julio. Yeah, I think I'm with you here. Um, it's going to depend on Traquan's availability. So if Traquan's out, that's going to make me upgrade Michael Thomas. But you're getting Julio at a discount, um, and you're getting Julio in a much more firm pass-first situation than Michael Thomas. And Julio has torched New Orleans pretty much every time he's played him. Yeah. So, you know, this is this is not something where yeah, – I went back even to last year because I'm like, you know, when Lattimore was, mm-hmm. you know, really great Ball before now. he – he still wasn't stopping Julio. So – um, plus, I'm playing Mad Lab, who has Sanu and Ridley in his lineup in our seasonal league. So I'm definitely rooting for Julio. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm on Team Julio here more than Michael Thomas. But uh, ownership wise, I don't know. I think they're all going to be pretty similar, you know. But I think Julio is going to have higher ownership than Michael Thomas on these slates for sure. But I'm seeing everywhere around the industry, it's saying Michael Thomas is going to have higher ownership. So it's odd. Um, you have it in front of you, Jeff. I don't know if you have it open right now, but are you seeing more Thomas or more Julio? Um, I'm seeing Michael open. Thomas being higher owned by like double digits, which I'd be shocked if that happens. I think yeah. this is going to be much. I would be pretty shocked by that too. You, you'd never know, and people like New Orleans more. Yeah. Because what, what about the mid? What about the mid tier? Uh, man, mid tier, not a ton. I'll tell you two guys in the lower end that I like though. I like Muhammad Sanu. You just mentioned, obviously PJ Williams. He's the worst cornerback in the league. And this is one of those situations where you're actually going to get real you know, player versus P.J. Williams. The last couple of weeks, people constantly, you mentioned Aguilar and shit like that. People are saying these, high in these guys. They don't realize Tyler Boyd the week before. They've got safeties coming over to help. It, it totally waters down the wide receiver cornerback matchup when you have safeties you know, absolute coming over the top and, and bracketing these guys in. Same thing with Aguilar. Aguilar and Tate and everybody's Matthews, they all use the slot. So you don't get true matchups. In Atlanta, you do. 70, 80% for Muhammad Sanu in the slot against PJ. I kind of like it. I kind of, I really like that a lot. As much as I love Julio Jones, and I do think Muhammad Sanu is that guy's a little different. Unfortunately, more people know this than don't. So he's going to be higher owned than we'd like. But I still think he's a guy who could absolutely feast in this match. I'm going to tell you what's going to keep Sanu below Ridley in ownership, in my opinion. It's what Ridley Ridley did to this team last time. Uh, This was his big game, his 7 for 146 and 3. So I think the box score watchers are going to go jump on Ridley. And I'm with you. I prefer Sanu. But um, my favorite guy in that tier, obviously we know what Galladay is. I mean, he's... He's that guy in the middle, right? Because you got Amari Cooper, who's probably going to catch a Norman shadow, and you got Allen Robinson, who's probably going to catch a Slay shadow. So those guys aren't enticing. But you got to remember, a lot of people know that too. So it's a three-game slate. Why the fuck not, right? Take a shot on those two guys on a second or third team, and just just you know, people still beat great corners. So, but the guy for me is Anthony Miller. 
Um, yeah. I think this is this is my sneaky play of the week versus uh, Nevin Lawson. Yeah, this is my this is my big play of the week for sure. For the simple fact that everyone's going to be riding the fucking Tyler Gabri- Taylor Gabriel train, right? Because he disappeared and then he reappeared last week with nine targets, and everyone's going to be jumping all over that. And I like the matchup as you just said, but. Anthony Miller still played a shit ton of snaps last week. Oh, yeah. He still played 90. He's still on the field 90% of the time. He's still out there. You, you have a new quarterback here, so anything can happen here. Like, it doesn't matter what happened last week because you don't know who Chase Daniel is right. going to be throwing a ball totally to. Yeah. So I think between Anthony Miller and Gabriel, I think it's a no-brainer for me to go Miller uh, just because, obviously, he's going to avoid slay like Gabriel should too. But I think Miller is just a better talent. And I would bet that he spent a little more time with Chase Daniel than any of the other receivers that are going to be starting simply because he kind of came out of nowhere. So he was kind of playing on that kind of second team, you know, at the beginning of the year. So I'm, I'm a big Anthony Miller fan. I'm a big fan of Anthony Miller this week. He's going to be my, uh, my make or break guy, I think. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think the matchup against Nevin Lawson, the, one of the reasons the DJ Moore call of mine last week was because of Nevin right. Lawson. Um, he has trouble with some speedy guys, and Anthony Miller's just been coming on. These guys played with each other in the preseason as well, and if I'm not mistaken, Miller caught a touchdown from Chase Daniels. So this is a good connection and one that I, I like a, a real lot as well. What about uh, Trey Quinn? We talked about TJ Jones, Kirkwood. Uh, what about these punts? Anyone okay. down there is a clean punt? Yeah, there's one guy, and I know people you know stop blogging. Stop telling me you know, you're going to get mad, but Michael Gallup. I don't know if you know the story. I don't know if you know what happened, but Michael Gallup's brother committed suicide on Sunday in Atlanta while Gallup was playing the Falcons in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been with the team the whole time. He stayed back and all this stuff. Every, he is going to play. They said he's going to play. If you've ever seen the Cowboys on a Thanksgiving, they run Narrative City. And mm-hmm. I would have a – I mean, how perfect getting him into the end zone would be. You know what I mean? Fitting because it's a family and it's a huge thing for him and playing in this game is going to be a big deal. So, And you do have Amari Cooper locked it with Josh Norman, so it's not like it's a bad matchup for Michael Gallup at all. I wouldn't be surprised. I, 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 can like guarantee, I will guarantee um, they take some shots to him, whether or not he comes down with it and makes a play. But I think the Michael Gallup narrative, I think it's real. Then let's talk about it. This is a guy who's you know been getting about five targets a game yeah, anyway. It's so not it's not like bad, it's yeah. a guy who's fucking completely off the radar who they're going to be turning around and all of a sudden trying to get the ball to. Like This is a guy who's been a decent little part of the offense, and he's got yeah. skills, and I love myself a good narrative. You I know you, you know do. My, you Why know do you my think I bring up the narratives on No Mercy? Because I know what you, you know. You know my weak spot, I got gotcha. <laughs> You know what I love. Yeah. So, uh, yes, I agree with that. I like that. Uh, Kirkwood. Makes for an interesting play regardless, but definitely an interesting play if Traquan's out. He becomes a great value at 3,200. Tight end position real quick here, Jeff. Uh, for me, Jordan Reed is is probably one of the best values on the board for me. Colt McCoy seemed to love him at the end of last game. Really liked what I saw out of that connection. And uh, Jordan Reed's a guy. I think he's going to be the most popular tight end. I think it's for good reason, and I don't see much reason outside of him potentially getting injured to not play him. Yeah, man, I can't. Uh, it's almost unfadeable for me just because tight end's such garbage. And this slate, no Jeff Swain. There's just not a lot to like. Shaheen's not there. Trey Burton's there. But I don't know. I To me, it's Jordan Reed all the way. 
Um, the underbelly of this Dallas defense has definitely been you know, tight ends at times. Van Der Esch has been better. His upgraded. Usually when Sean Lee's gone, you go tight end against the Dallas, and it's great. Van Der Esch has done a great job. Had an interception two weeks ago against uh, on a target aimed for the tight end. So he's better, but I still think this depleted offensive line, the ability of Jordan Reed to get open, he's 3.5 separation um, with him, and that's third in the NFL amongst tight ends, and that's what McCoy and the Redskins offense needs. So uh, he's almost unfadable to me, Tommy. I just don't like it. It's either him or Hooper. Any other guy doesn't make sense to me. Right, I mean, you got Burton. You Burton's don't know how that, fine too. You don't but, know again. Everyone, everyone's viable on yeah, Chicago, yeah. right? Because yeah. we don't know; it's an unknown. So it's door number three. You know, maybe Burton sees zero targets. Maybe he sees nine. You know, you don't know how Daniel's going to react to that. So he's fine too. Um, what about uh, what about Schultz, who's backing up Swain? Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I mean, he's a rookie guy that they like, but I don't know, man. I I'm not going there. It's not. That crazy. I, again, if you could get a touchdown out of any punt, the only yeah. guy that I could assure, well, two guys, Hooper and Reed, the, they're the only people that can get you at six plus points, whether they get in the end zone or not. The problem with everybody else, including Burton to a certain extent, he can get a touchdown, but then that will be it. I call that the Janu Smith syndrome. They get the one catch and they get a touchdown. It's great, but that's seven points, and you're right. locked at seven points. And you think that's great, but you know if two or three guys outproduce you, it's not as good. So it's so funny how people would rather have fucking one for one and a touchdown than yep. than three for forty, even yes. though it's the same same thing. amount like, of points. They yep. don't understand that it's the same fucking thing. Yep. But uh, but I agree. I actually probably am going to have a stab on Schultzy just because he's twenty five hundred dollars. Right. I need. I don't think it's crazy if you want to punt with our boy Toyololo. Either. I mean, this is a guy who literally is not going to get a lot of targets. He's going to be on the field. That's for sure. And you just need that one little touchdown. So at 2,500, if he gets in the box, you're already 3X right there um, on your price. So he's not he's not the worst play if you need a, a cheap punt down there. Defense, um, I, am, I can't get off the Bears. Uh, FanDuel did a great job pricing him at 4,700, which is expensive. And DraftKings, obviously, uh, again, didn't watch football, just doesn't know football. Are you football. serious? What are they priced there? 2900 Come on, really? 2900 Dallas wow. should be 4K, and the Bears should be 4K. Like, 2900 wow. So, free square bear um, against a team that basically has given up about 47 sacks over the last fucking four weeks. It's just fucking wow. crazy. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really difficult to get away from Chicago because that defense – is legit and it could create turnovers and it could take it to the house. Um, obviously, I don't want Saints or, or Falcons. I know you're more in Saints on that. I like. I liked, I don't. I, Dallas and Washington have been staples in my cash lineups much of the season, so right. I don't even have a problem with either one of these guys because I don't believe there's many points going to be scored. I don't think there's. I think there's very low risk, and both offensive lines are, are struggling. So I, I don't mind Washington. I would go Chicago. Washington, Dallas, in that order. I would go Bears, Saints. Saints, of course you would. Uh, Dallas, Washington. That would be mine. Saints, dude, they're always cheap. They're always mid-priced. Seven sacks in the last two games, five interceptions in the last two games. Uh, listen, I'm going to ride it. Three of the last four games, they've scored over nine. Did you see those interceptions from Wentz, though? They were uh, thrown like... Uh, 
yeah, 20 yards over As long as them. they come, I don't give a fuck I know. how they go. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're talking about uh, – we're talking about a Saints defense that's playing better right now in their min price. So that's where I would go if I punt. Um, let's do this real quick. Let's just say I have this one Twitter question here, which I definitely want to get to. Do you know I, I'm throwing this at you here. Yeah. If you were stranded on a desert island and you can only bring one NFL football player to talk to your whole life. I mean, this uh, is a question you normally need 10 minutes to think about. Does but. Um, Well, is it all time or do they have to be currently in the NFL or alive? Whatever you want to do. Um, who would I want to talk to the most? I mean, my, my gut instinct was to say Peyton Manning because I can't, he's kind of funny and he's got a weird life and he's, you know, been around and you know, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot to talk about. Pretty personable. Um, who's that other guy though? The sack master that I would love to pick the brain of. I was going to say, he slaps people. Warren Sapp is a guy that's on my list. Oh, dear God. Oh, you know what? I like Deion Sanders, too. Deion would get annoying, I think. Peyton was on my list. He's on my short list right here of, like, two or three guys that I'd probably want to chill with. Joe Namus would be interesting, kind of like your grandpa, because he's so delusional, and he says the craziest shit. He'd fuck your mouth, though. Right. So I feel like like, I'd just sit there and go, what would you just say, Joe? I feel like I'd say that a lot. He would bring a fur coat with him. He'd keep me entertained. So, so who who is you who are you saying here? Hey, I mean, Manning would be that Manning or Deion Sanders. If it had to be a current player, and I'm try, I'm trying to like, um, man, it's it's kind of tough. I think a current player. You know what? I'll go Le'Veon Bell. I want to know what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> just a fucking. Like, I want. I need a lifetime to un to figure out what exactly he was thinking. <laughs> All right. All right, Jeffrey, every single piece of technology in my house that we're connected to right now is on 2%. So let's get out of here before it all dies and we got to re-record. So uh, any final words for the people, my dude? Turkey Bowl article up, live stream on Wednesday, Vlad. And Benny, if you're listening to this on Thursday, go check that out as well. Get some money. Cash game article up on Friday. And free money 20 is the promo code because we're contractually obligated to tell you that. Yes, that is true. Free money 20, the whole entire site. You get out there 20% off anything you want. Uh, For Jeff Mans, I am Tommy G. Good luck. Stay cashing, motherfuckers. Mercy is for the weak. We do not train to be merciful here. A man face you, he is enemy. Enemy deserve no mercy.